This is Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcasts. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to episode number 10 of Amber on Podcasts. Hooray! We are in the double digits. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have 10 episodes. I feel so grown up. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait to be in the double digits. I always thought it was so lame to be, you know, ages one through nine. I was really, really upset about this. And I feel similarly in this podcast now. It's 10 episodes and I'm getting to be a grown up. And I feel like every time I make one, making the world is like a tiny, tiny, tiny bit better. Like I have this information in my mind. I'm getting it out there and I'm like, hey guys, I have I have some information to share. I think we could all use it and, and apply it every day and, and maybe live better lives as, as a result of it. And so turns out that today is no different. And I have one of my favorite shows. I covered it very recently. In fact, I just covered this podcast in episode number nine. If you listen to episode number nine, you will be thrilled to hear that Hidden Brain, Hidden Brain is a podcast. It's provided by NPR. It's hosted by Shankar Vedantam. Shankar Vedantam. I just love saying it. It's a great podcast. And I like to describe it as the podcast about why things are the way that they are. It's like the podcast of current state of, the, of affairs, what we know up until this point about how we're behaving and how the world is turning out, so to speak. The really cool thing about Hidden Brain 2 is that they provide anonymous feedback or an anonymous portal, rather, for people to provide them feedback that they then incorporate into the show. So they'll say something like, oh, we're doing this subject matter. So if anybody, if you're this person or this person, you have information on this subject matter, then please give us a call and this hotline, leave us a message, and we'll we'll review it or and or include it in the show. But it's always anonymous. They don't record, or I'm sorry, they don't play the actual recording over the air. They have an actor read it, and so it's completely anonymous. And they get a lot of people to call in and give their point of view as a result. That's probably one of my favorite things about, about the show Hidden Brain, aside from saying Shankar Vedantam. So let's start the show. There is a study. It's one of the longest studies that's been run to date. It's actually lasted for over eight decades now, and it includes 268 men. Again, the longest running study study to date. And what they've done is they've basically just analyzed and measured and interviewed these men in order to determine what it takes to, to live your best life, how you can have the most the best well-being, the best physical health. Um, it's really important, this study, because it's last so, lasted so long. 268 white men have been tracked from a very early age, and this is consistent data that we've seen over a long period of time. So we know that where they've been, and we know where they are now, and so we can see, actually, real draw real conclusions and see real results from this study. Now, you may have heard me discuss this, this study before, and you probably will hear it again because it has one of the most interesting and one of the, the the most important bits of information that I think is uh, really under known, not a lot of people know about it, undervalued, and really no one's ever talking about it either. So the, the, the thing that the study has found is that as these men age and they get older, the thing that keeps the men happiest, those that are reporting the best well-being, the best life, and feel the most content in their lives, they have one thing in common. One thing, the most important thing is that you have social connections and social relationships with other people throughout your life. So what does that mean? That means that as you grow and develop in your life, not only do you have colleagues that may turn into friends, but you have friends, colleagues, especially after you retire, you have no more colleagues. So you need to be able to transfer your colleagues and turn them into friends, lifelong friends that you grow, develop, and nurture over your entire lifespan. Now, the people who report having the best 
well-being, the best physical health, overall living their best lives, they all have one thing in common. It's that it's that they continue to have these relationships and make these friends and foster these relationships over their entire lives. People have come in, they've come out, but they've consistently had close people around them and friendships to, to turn to. Now, this is helpful information for all of us. Everybody on the face of this planet, if you are a human being, this is important to you. However, what we're talking about today is a group of people that it's especially important to because it's a group of people who are completely without this relationship, this growing, nurturing, social relationship as they go through life. A group of people who consistently gets fewer, that decreases their amount of social interaction and close relationships as they go through life. It's a very, very large group of people. It's actually 50% of the population. I'm talking about men. I'm talking about how men don't have close relationships. And in this episode of Hidden Brain, Shankar Vedantham brings up a very, very, very important point. Now, it's been touched lightly a bit, you know, recently, and especially with the Me Too movement, I believe it's important to relate, you know, to review both sides of the coin. But the issue that men are having is that they rely so much on their their wives for their their social company for their interaction for their their really intense and intimacy and their I love you bro sort of sort of mentality in that conversation it doesn't go to a bunch of male cohorts they really rely on the female in their lives or the romantic relationship that they have to be the barrier of the bearer rather of their emotional insight and intimacy. And why men are doing this is because there are a set of unspoken rules. And these rules, they imply that men are strong and that they're independent. And if you care deeply and you connect deeply with a man and you in an emotional level, then you must be gay. So this model that you're a tough guy who doesn't need anyone else, it affects all men, every every last one. And, and boys tend to have, when they're younger, they tend to have a little bit more openness with their emotions. They tend to be able to be closer to their guy friends, but this quickly fades. And the research shows that, you know, by the time they're hitting adolescence, they're no longer sharing these sentiments among each other. You know, boys in high school aren't saying, I love you, man, or, you know, you're really important to me to their other male friends. It just doesn't happen at all. Ever. In fact, if, if you are doing something like that, you're going to be, be perceived as sensitive or emotional or gay. So this means that the desire for intimacy among other boys is viewed as problematic. You ought not. This is something that, that women don't experience because it's very easy for us to have girl time and, you know, having one-on-one female-to-female time is built into our process. You know, lucky us, we, we get to have that. But men are not afforded the same opportunity. You know, their emotions pretty much are getting shut off by the time they hit adolescence. And it's not so okay to have those emotional relationships with other men or you're going to be considered gay. But there's an upside. There is a reasonable place to express emotion, and that is with your spouse, with your girlfriend, with the woman in your life. You can express this emotion, this emotion, this love, this feeling, this commitment, this intimacy. It's a safe place. But, you know, in in a world where we are getting married less often or later in life, there are more divorces than ever before. And we're spending more time alone because all of our entertainment is private. You know, it's really interesting. They bring up a really interesting point in this episode is that we 
you know, used to back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on, before the internet, we, before we were all hunched over our phones, we were all getting out there and, and living our lives out in the world, having our entertainment out in the world, you know, driving movies, going to the mall, civic centers, civic events, bowling teams, whatever it may be, people were getting out and interacting with each other. Now, even if you want to have fun, you can really just do that completely on your own. Now, I've talked about porn before. I do think porn is a big point here, too, in keeping us antisocial. Also, you know, people are just not using a fleshlight most of the time because I keep asking everyone, and certainly not enough men have them. But at any rate, too much porn. There's a lot less actively, a lot less active engagement going on generally. So I mentioned before about the hotline that Hidden Brain has where the the people can call in and just give their insight or their opinion or where they sit as far as the the, the subject matter or the topic that they're relating to con- is concerned. And so they have a couple people that call in and give their stories. And, and the first one is very much related to realizing that you have no friends later in life as this man who's in his in middle age. And he's discussing about how, you know, he would try to go out and meet people and, you know, and knock on the door and introduce himself to his neighbors or something like this. And he could just tell that the look on their face was like, who is this creepy old guy? You know, or even himself, he would go out to a bar, be out at night or wherever and be like, why is that old guy just by himself like that? Like, what a creepy old guy. And I've had many of my guy friends mention this to me, actually. Like, I don't want to be one of these creepy old guys in the bar by himself. But, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with a group of women or even a woman by herself out at bars. There's definitely a stigma associated with these lonely men. And the reason that they're lonely is because they've relied on the females in their lives to put those social connections together for them and to have those relationships because it's not socially acceptable for them to have them with other guys in their lives. To be really close, to be intimate like that, the way that women are with each other, it's not accepted in society. There's a stereotype about how you can behave as a man. You have to be masculine. You have to be tough. You have to manage this all on your own. And it's just frankly not true. It's not as if they, the men just grow out of their emotions by the time they hit adolescence. There's actually no correlation between sexuality and sensitivity or emotion. It's not as if they're mutually exclusive. It just doesn't make any sense. They don't align in that way. Apples and oranges, so to speak. There's another uh, group of people that they interview on this episode, and it's uh, they interview a lot of young, uh, young kids, and there's a 12-year-old boy who goes on, and he says, sometimes I actually wish I were a girl so I didn't have to be so emotionless. And just to give you an idea of where, of how men are feeling about this, or how boys are feeling about this, rather. And one of the most jarring pieces of information that I learned from this episode is something that's quite scary, is that the suicide rate overall has gone down over the last 50 years or so. But there's one niche of the population, one group, where it's gone up. And it hasn't gone up 1% or 2% or something like that. It's gone up 50% since 1999. And the group of people who have a higher rate of suicide now since 1999 are men aged 50 to 54. 50% it's gone up. And so the research proves or claims, rather, that this is one of the reasons why, that men are so lonely because they haven't had the ability, the time, they haven't made it a focus in their lives to have these important social relationships. And as I mentioned before, from the 268 men that they studied in the biggest study ever that's been running for eight decades, we know that there's a direct correlation between your social relationships and your physical health. 
We know this. In order to live the longest you can live and the happiest you can live, you need to have consistent social relationships with other people, develop bonds, and nurture those relationships throughout your life in order to live your best life. So the people that aren't doing that have a higher suicide rate. They have more physical health problems. All of these things that they prove in the study that essentially you will die sooner, faster, harsher, harder if you do not continue to maintain these important social relationships throughout your life. So back to the middle-aged man that I mentioned earlier who is alone and lonely now that he's without his wife and is the weird old guy out by himself at the bar. He said something that was really interesting to me. He said that he looked at his situation of being lonely, of being completely by himself and depressed. He said that he looked at that as his circumstance and not a problem, like gravity. Those are his exact words. Circumstance and not a problem like gravity. And that's one thing that I want to point out. And that something that he realized himself as well. And that it was indeed a problem and one that needed to be addressed. And he decided to start to address it. And he decided to start putting himself out in the world and meeting more people and trying to make friends and trying to make conversation and make more relationships happen that are strong. Something that he can grow and nurture throughout his life. How did he do this? Well... It turns out it's not so difficult, but most of us believe that it is very difficult. And you know me, I never like to bring up a problem without a solution. And today is no different. We do indeed have a solution. But before I tell you about what that is, I want to tell you a little bit about the research about the solution first to begin with. Now, research has been done to determine if people should basically converse with one another. Like, are people going to talk to strangers? Does it actually make you more happy to just converse with strangers and make small talk? Or does it make you more happy to just sit by yourself? And in a world where, you know, we're all standing by each other in the lines at the grocery store or sitting next to somebody, you know, in the waiting room or whatever. I've been in lots of situations like this where everybody's just stone cold silent. Like, nobody is making a peep. No one's talking about the weather. No one is saying anything. So, turns out that the research that they've done actually proves that people People believe that they will be better off if they just sit in silence, that solitude is a, a peace, so to speak, and that inter- engaging and interacting with strangers and making small talk with, would leave them feeling poorly. They're just going to feel better if they keep quiet. However, the actual results show that those vers- those who keep quiet versus those who actually engage have been measured. And at the end of this research, they have determined that it's actually those who engage with strangers that are happier at the end of the day. They're happier for if do- having done so. Now, the next logical question is why? Why, if we're happier at the result of this, why do we think that we're better off being quiet in all these situations and not engaging and not trying to make friends or just trying to make conversation. The results are that from the research, they show that people actually think that no one wants to talk to them. They say, how many people of the population, what percentage of the population do you actually believe would be interested in talking to you? And people say it's less than 50%, when in actuality, it's closer to 100%. Everyone is pretty open to engaging in conversation. Everyone. So why isn't this happening more often? Well, 
I love this entire idea because I do this all day. And as you can tell, I love to talk. So I deliver groceries for Instacart. And when I deliver groceries for Instacart, I'm in a grocery store all day long. I make it a personal challenge for myself to engage with everybody in the grocery store. And pretty much that's that's about the extent of it. The customers don't really want to talk to you inside the grocery store (laughs) unless they're creepy guys trying to hit on you. Oh, those creepy guys. See, even I'm filling the stereotype. But I'm talking about the people who work in the grocery store. And they are all super, super friendly. And I have gotten so many benefits from speaking to them. I have to say, making friends with the people that in your grocery store is a huge advantage. I definitely recommend you're on your best behavior when you go there and you try to make friends, but that's another podcast. Back to the point here, people don't start conversation. Why? Well, there are two steps, right? You have to get it started and then you have to keep it going. And it's sort of like, they use this analogy in the show, sort of like, you know, going up a hill. You just got to try really hard to go up a steep hill, but by the time you get there, you're good. So just push, Say hello, keep it going, and everybody is left feeling better having done so. It's proven. And you know, come to think of it, maybe those creepy old guys in the grocery store who are the customers, not the employees, wouldn't be so creepy if they if there were more of them. You know, if there were a lot more people just casually saying hello, how are you doing? It just so happens that I never had that experience with women, frankly, and then the men just look awkward. But really, the point that I'm making is that we all need to be talking to each other all the time. We're better off for it. And if you really want to live a long time and live your best life, you need to keep making new friends and foster relationships. You know, as you grow and you meet new people, you're going to outgrow some people too. They're not going to be the same group of people that are in your life forever. And if they are, then you might want to start asking yourself some questions because how much can you really grow if you surround yourself with the same people for your entire life? So solution number one, talk to everyone. Get it started. Keep it going. It's very easy. We'll all be better off. Number two, I just have to reference this because it's an important thing in our pop culture. I'm sorry, Drake, but you're super wrong. No new friends is incredibly detrimental. I really like that song, but I just want to make a point to you that no new friends is the wrong way to go. You definitely need new friends. And if you don't continue to make new friends throughout your life, you're going to die younger and less happy. Drake, nobody wants that for you, man. I don't want that for anyone. So just think. This is the same thing that, this is the same way Shankar Vedantham ended his show. He said, just think how much better life would be if we were all okay with being a little bit more vulnerable in our conversations engaging. And if we weren't shaming boys who talk about loving their friends. If we weren't saying, oh, if we weren't worried about, you know, boys being sensitive or overly emotional. If we were more engaging and we fostered that relationship. I know I've spent way too much of my life, like, excusing a bromance or even saying that my friend's relationship was a bromance. Like, just that whole mentality is just is pretty fucked up in a way. You know, we have to, like, say no homo after everything a guy says nice about another guy. Like, we, we're kind of fucking the guys here, you know, literally and figuratively. So let's not fuck the guys. Guys, let's love them. Let's, you know, decrease that suicide rate. I'm worried about all our dads out there. I mean, my dad's dead, but all the rest of them, you know? It's, this really sucks. I can't imagine living my life, like, not having a close girlfriend and not being able to tell her that I love her. I mean, I talk about the girls that I love all the time on my podcast. I like want to shout it from the rooftop. If I couldn't do that, it would be so sad. So in interest of doing more good, that's my more good for this week. And next week, I'll be back with more good for more people most of the time. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to episode number 10 of Amber on Podcast. I am so excited to bring you more. Lots is happening every day, and I'm learning so much. Hey, hey, hey. I have a problem making up songs. I'm going to delete that. Maybe it stays in. I'm not really sure. Thank you so much for listening today. Please, please, please rate me, subscribe, leave me a review. That's the absolute best thing that you can do. That's how I get the most feedback. You can also find all the show notes at mytalkingdollars.com. That's my website. Show notes are there. You can listen to the podcast there as well. Your time is valuable and you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So I thank you so, so much for spending your time with me. Thank you so much. Please come back next week where I'll be talking about more good for more people most of the time. Love you. Bye. There are a lot of really great podcasts out there. I mean, in addition to this one. No, I'm kidding. No, but really. No, but I'm kidding. No, but really. Today, I want to recommend Cal Fussman's podcast. Cal Fussman, that's C-A-L-F-U-S-S-M-A-N. Now, Cal is a journalist, and he's been a journalist for a number of years, and he is an expert, renowned journalist. A lot of his work was published in Esquire. I believe he had a recurring article there for a number of years, and he had co Kobe Bryant on his podcast, and more recently, he had Deborah Lee on his podcast, who is the CEO of BET. He is a great interviewer. I actually heard about him from James Altucher. He was interviewed on James Altucher's show, who you guys all know I love dearly. James Altucher is my hero, and I listened to his interview on James Altucher's show, as well as his podcast uh, soon after. So I'll include his information in the show notes and uh, give it a listen. Okay, that's all. Love you. Thanks. Bye.